This podcast was made possible by our Leadership Circle members, Senior Fellows Randy Pond and Lisa Sonsini, Class Matchers Greg Avis, Ned Barnhold, Ann DeBusk, Madeline Fackler, Chuck Getchke, Karen King, Judy Koch, Sing Kung, Dottie Hayes, George Marcus, Susan Orr, C.S. Park, and Steve Smith. And a special thanks to ALF Classes 31 and 24 for their tremendous support of American Leadership Forum's 30th Anniversary Campaign. Welcome to The Dialogue. I'm Suzanne St. John Crane. What could a 50-year-old semiconductor company, a foundation that supports compassionate communities, and a high school district possibly collaborate on? Through a series of intersections and dialogues brought about by American Leadership Forum's Education Innovation Network, these three unlikely partners brought a mindfulness practice into the classroom and the boardroom in Silicon Valley. ALF Senior Fellows Chris Funk, Superintendent of Eastside Union High School District, and Javon Kenny of Applied Materials are joined by Katie Kennedy of the 1440 Foundation to talk about their journey of seeding and scaling this program in schools. So it's great to have the three of you here. I'm so inspired by this project and this partnership. I'm really thrilled to be able to share it with our network through this this medium uh, and, and look forward to hearing some of the details and the backstory, kind of the making of mindfulness at, at Eastside. Chris, I want, to, I want to start with you. You were a member of the EdNet class and you, know, you already had and have a mindfulness practice, correct? That's yeah. correct, yeah. yes. Yeah. And when did you conceive of the idea of bringing, bringing it to school? Well, for so long, we've always focused in school on content and not enough on social-emotional learning and social intelligence. Um, and so for me, it was the concept of what can we bring to, one, our adults, something in their tool belt to reduce in, uh, stress and anxiety. And then if they develop their practice, what can they put in their tool belt in the classroom to help reduce anxiety, fear, um, aggression uh, with their students? Right. Uh, and so through the EdNet program with ALF, it was something that we started every session with was a little mindfulness and meditation. Um, and it was really bringing those parties together to help support Eastside to do the research on what would be the best approach right. to bring it to Eastside. Right. Are you surprised by the results and what you've seen? I'm not surprised by the results because it's something that I've developed in my own practice. What I am surprised by is how quickly uh, schools have adopted the program. So we have Santa Teresa High School, the entire school now has been trained or will be trained by the end of the year. Um, and we have other schools now picking it up. And out of 1,800 employees, we've had something like over 500 adults go through some wow. type of mindfulness training. That's uh, and that's a huge start. Yeah. Absolutely. Talk to us a little bit about how the ALF Education Network or, or you know, ALF Network in general helped you realize the idea of scaling this and bringing mindfulness into the classroom. Well, when you bring a lot of like minds together, uh, like ALF does for the education uh, program, what we realized was that the conversation tended to still be around what's not working in schools as opposed to what's working in schools. And so that conversation generated the concept of what do we not focus on that we know we need to do to improve our schools? Uh, and because when you bring adults together and you start with mindfulness and meditation, that allows you to lower that effective filter and really dig into the issues. Uh, and that experience just generated the concept, well, how can we transfer what we do in ALF and bring it into the school system? Right, and it's not just about lowering 
suspension rates and this and that. I mean, it's really about, you were saying the word anxiety and fear. I mean, you see that in the students that are coming into the classroom. Absolutely. It's giving them the skills to cope with the different issues that they face on an ongoing basis at school and, and at home. Can you describe to us real quick, and then I want to open it up to, to Katie and Javon here, just about the support behind uh, this initiative. Specifically, what did the students experience? Kind of logistically, tell us what it is. Well, it all depends on the adult, uh, and <laughs> it depends on uh, what each classroom. But the concept is basically, uh, one, understanding the assets that every single student brings into the classroom. To creating the container that's safe to allow for individuals to develop their own mindful practice so that they can be present with their own emotions and feelings and see how that interplays with their interaction with the other students in the classroom. Uh, so it could be as simple as a two-minute meditation uh, okay. coming back from brunch, lunch, or right before an exam to kind of lower those uh, nerves before you take the exam because no one likes to take exams. I was going to say, I could have used that <laughs> going through school. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's great. So it's yeah. not a set time of day. It's really integrated as a part of the day exactly. as needed, right? Yes. Yeah, that's great. Katie, tell us a little bit about the 1440 Foundation and how um, you became a, a part of supporting this work in Eastside. It turns out one of our champions was, I think, in the EdNet group. And that's what 1440 calls our grantees, our champions. Our foundation is focused on building compassionate communities through mindfulness and meditation and knowing yourself and knowing each other and creating compassionate communities. So when Marlene, who was part of the group, heard that you guys were going to have the project, Chris and the Eastside High School District was going to lead this project, she knew, of course, that we'd be interested. So she called us and said, hey, Katie, I think there's a project here that 1440 Foundation would be interested in. And um, we jumped in. Yeah. And um, I was so grateful that we had Siobhan and Applied and the Morgan Family Foundation with Linda really helped create this amazing groundswell of support yeah. to get behind Chris and his program. The one thing I did want to add is in terms of the programmatic themes, it, it really is focused originally on the teachers and right, helping the right. teachers really help reduce stress, help them be more centered, help them be more connected with their students. So it helped create these much more connected classrooms. And, and I've done both kinds of projects, both with teachers and with students. And we've found that when you start with the teachers and the administrators, you have far more success. Yeah because they get behind it and they can model the right behavior and they can model that kind of connection. And then as Chris says, it trickles down into all these different um, yeah. different techniques that teachers can use in the classroom. Or a great ripple effect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Siobhan, you're a senior fellow from the great class 24. <laughs> Very proud. Yes. <laughs> Very proud. And, you know, Applied Materials has always been a huge community supporter and so in, in active in, in Silicon Valley, um, certainly a part of the DNA of, of your company. So what made Applied really step up to support this particular project? Well, you're right. Applied Materials takes very seriously its commitment to make a positive contribution in the community. And one way we do that is through strategic grant making and education, and here in the Valley, specifically in Eastside San Jose. And one of our approaches is to look for strong leaders who have a vision and can articulate what it means and what it's going to take to realize um, that vision and to make an impact. And Chris is certainly one of those leaders. So when he came to us, we were intrigued by the idea. And from time to time, we have the opportunity to fund kind of 
seed projects or pilot projects that may be promising. And thanks to Chris's leadership and the idea of how this project could impact teachers and students, we said we're in. It was reassuring to be in with the 1440 and Morgan Family Foundation as well as ALF. Chris, talk to us a little bit about just like quick hits, immediate impact that you started to see. And then also just long-term, how has the culture shifted at the school and in the classroom? Well, the immediate impact is when you're having adults asking for more opportunities to develop the community of learning, right? So one of the approaches we did was we did an online meditation program, mindfulschools.com. Well, once you get through that online program, then it's hard to sustain what you've learned uh, individually if you don't have a community of learners. And so what we've seen is now we have a community of learners that get together once a month uh, throughout the district uh, to build their practice. Because as Katie said, kids know from the get-go if an adult is trying to throw something at them that they don't truly be, believe in, in themselves. So if you don't develop your own personal practice, uh, kids see right through that. And so that's really was our approach, was to get the adults able to develop their practice. And you know, since the economic crisis, we've asked educators, just like across all sectors, to do more with less. And so that's very stressful. And so we've seen the stress lower within our district with our adults. And then with our students, it just gives them extra coping mechanisms to be able to, one, understand what's causing their anxiety, what's causing their fear, what's causing their anger, and, and a way to deal with that. And so we see that not only in the classrooms, but we see it when students visit our social workers, because we have a full-time social worker on every campus. Uh, so we try to hit multiple facets of how to develop a, a more of a relationship-centered culture in the district. And there, there's some hard numbers and data about what this has done in terms of suspensions and measurable kind of outcomes uh, from this. Can you share some of that with us? Well, we've reduced our suspensions by over 40%. We've reduced our citations on our campuses uh, by over 60%. Uh, and what I don't have memorized is what the attendance is, but our attendance is beginning to improve too, particularly for those with the chronic absenteeism those that are missing more than 10% of the school year. And so that type of impact is, is, is phenomenal. Because one, you need to be in school to be successful. And two, it also helps the district's bottom line because we get paid based on attendance. Sure. I wonder if that indicates too that you know school's kind of a, a, a place where there's gonna be some safety and there's going to be uh, a moment to breathe, right? Absolutely. You're gonna get fed not only with an education but with a moment to pause, well right? Said. yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that you can take with you anywhere. Well, the educational system hasn't really changed much in 100 years. So still, majority of schools in the United States, you attend school for six periods a day for 55 minutes. And about the time you get in, unpack your backpack, uh, you're ready to start loading it back up to get to your next class. So more and more of our schools are moving to a block schedule. So you're not seeing your teacher, all six teachers every day. You have longer time to learn. You have longer time to kind of settle down. Uh, and you have longer time and more often to breathe. And Katie and Javon, I want to ask you too, so this was a risk, right? Not quite knowing how this was going to come out, having high hopes, and certainly I think data from other, other school systems or classrooms that have tried this. I mean, I know I've read Facebook and, and whatnot articles about schools that are starting to implement this sort of practice and, and how it's changing the culture and changing the students and the student-teacher relationship, right? 
but it's a risk. So what's specifically, you know, what were the learnings as you started this, this project? What were the bumps in the road and, and what were the, the aha moments for both of you? We had a little bit of inkling of how this could go because our foundation had funded a couple of other districts doing some similar work. And so we had found some partners that we thought were really pretty good. And so we partnered with Chris and his team to interview and evaluate some of the, the learning and um, the program partners to determine which ones would work best. And so Chris and his team looked at the whole the whole um, menu of options and came up with, I think, a really good go-forward strategy of using an online component to get to the mass group of teachers and administrators, and then an online in-person component with PassageWorks out of Colorado. So because of the work we had done before, I knew we had some really great partners to offer Chris, and then he put together this really great strategy to go forward. So I had a lot of confidence what I didn't anticipate was all the really positive benefits. They, they went much deeper and further than I anticipated because I was just telling Chris earlier, because he has such great support within the district, both from the trustee all the way through. He had some great principals that totally understood how to roll out programs like this and understood what their teachers and their, his, their students needed, that it made it, the implementation much more seamless than I've seen elsewhere. Siobhan? And so this was a new venture for us. And as I mentioned, we looked at it as a pilot. So we were ready to take that risk and ready to encounter the bumps along the way. But I think what made it easier for us was kind of the group literally around the table. It very much was a partnership with very open communication. So I felt that when bumps occurred or problems or challenges came up, they were talked about very openly and we all accepted them and recognized that those around the table were working for solutions or at least addressing the issues. So those were positives. I think something else that helped us a lot was just getting a chance to see some of the evaluations from specifically the teachers who were involved and talked about how much it meant to them both on a professional as well as personal level. That idea of having a new tool to use to help them deal with whatever they were dealing with in the classroom or outside of the classroom. I think those were really powerful. The group also had the opportunity to see the, uh, the principal of Santa Teresa um, come in and talk to us a couple of times about what the programs had done for the culture at that school and how it had really changed things so positively. I think at least for us that gave us hope that we had made a good investment and were willing to stick stick through the bumps and the challenges as we, as we went. How many schools is it in now, Chris? It is in uh, three schools, but then the adults in the system uh, are across the, the district. Uh, so we have a total of 11 comprehensive and uh, alternative and one continuation school. So. Um, but it even permeates I, before my director's meeting mm. we start with meditation mm-hmm. closed session with the trustees before a board meeting we start with meditation I was going to ask are. is the board on board with us? they are They are. <laughs> I, a cool. couple of them have their own practice and they've been practicing for a while uh, they've come to some of the trainings um, they attend Wisdom 2.0 uh, in, the, in San Francisco so the trustees are definitely behind it yeah. And your resolution? Did you? Well, and we have resolution for, um, oh, wow. we passed a resolution last spring for relationship-centered schools, and this is one strategy to support that relationship, as well as changing the structure of the day right. so that it's less stressful for kids. 
Yeah, it's interesting, out of the EdNet, another project that came out of uh, our education network uh, was the School Board Leadership Academy, right, where we have, you know, charter public private school board members uh, assemble and kind of go through a customized ALF experience. And one thing I witnessed there is, is just the taking, you know, again, like you said, Chris, setting that container, having that safe space, and then how the school board members are now taking those practices, including mindfulness, to their school boards mm -hmm. and, and testing it out, right? Let's try this, let's implement that. And I think that it's courageous, it's certainly having immediate impact, you know, in terms of how they work together. Um, well, I've seen a difference with how my governance team has worked together as well as what happens during board meetings. Because mm. board meetings can be very um, high anxiety because you have during public comment people can come up and say what they want and if it's not on the agenda we can't respond so that can right. be very stressful uh, and so I've seen how our trustees treat uh, the public during board meetings since we've been practicing mindfulness and it has changed it has reduced their anxiety and their level of frustration uh, tremendously so and I, I truly appreciate that and Chris, may I ask just in what period of time that is actually that you've seen that change? We've been uh, doing mindfulness for about uh, six months now with the board before board meetings. Yeah. Great, thanks. So yeah. in a very quick period of time. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, quick turnaround. So advice for other schools that might be interested in starting this sort of project. You mentioned some online tools. I'm curious uh, what you've learned from this process and, and what others might be able to uh, uh, glean from that if they want to start this. Certainly you don't want to do it alone. We've had a great partnership. Uh, in fact, because of Katie and 1440 Foundation, I think the very first time I was introduced to the different platforms, I think I met, she set up a meeting with me for about seven or eight different groups. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go in with an open mind. Uh, you have to go in uh, with the concept that uh, trial and error. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to measure and have uh, clear goals of what your outcomes are. Uh, and you have to just be able to adapt. Um, and I think you have to own it as a leader. Uh, and I think I try to demonstrate that uh, in East Side, that I don't ask my leaders to do something that I either haven't done or I'm not willing to do. Uh, and so, uh, because that, that's authenticity. That's where people believe that it's, it's coming from a place of true um, meaning as opposed to just another strategy that you're throwing at us. And this, is an example I think of really what ALF is all about in terms of you know people coming from different sectors recognizing that there's a challenge there's a problem and saying okay how do we how do we all get together and fix this and be willing to take risks right be willing to experience those bumps uh, and bringing the right people to the table the right partners um, I'm so inspired by what I'm seeing as I mentioned before to our urbanism class in that respect and in this let me ask you this, I mean, in terms of what we're seeing politically in this country and what we're seeing in terms of major, major challenges, uh, global challenges, not just, you know, f far exceeding Silicon Valley challenges, what are the learnings and what are the strategies that you think are necessary in order to really thoughtfully address some of those entrenched issues? I think deep listening, <laughs> deep listening. Because, yeah. and starting from a, a common, standpoint finding the shared values and in fact that's something I think that was so successful was that Chris really understood his teachers and his community and knew that they'd be ready and he had te um, principals that were on board and that that kind of 
um, agreement made it so much easier for him to roll out this kind of program. And I think from a more global perspective, that kind of deep listening, deep understanding is what will create real change. I would think in addition to that deep listening, if each of us could bring our true self to every situation um, and feel that we were in a safe space to express ourselves um, and that what we say is appreciated and respected by others would be a help. Amen to that. Absolutely. And then I would just add that um, take a deep breath before you respond. <laughs> or tweet. Or hit yeah. send. Or tweet, yeah. <laughs> we won't name names. No, yeah. yes. I, you know what, I do, I do want it because I, I don't think we've really covered the role ALF played in this. And, and frankly, you guys were key to pulling this all together. And it was through ALF that we got involved, the 1440 Foundation, but, but really play, provided some great leadership until we were able to get the administrator, get Melissa on board. And, and I think Jenny and, and your team here at the ALF did a really good job of helping us all work together, figuring out what our objectives were, who were the stakeholders, and really helped drive it forward. I well, and they were a huge part in the research and helping set up some of the visits to different locations to see how uh, that particular right. strategy was uh, implemented at that particular school. It really so. speaks to the power of network and, and having players in different places, mm -hmm. right, uh, that you can pull together. And I appreciate that, Katie. You know, I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Chris, and I wonder if there is a specific story of a student or a teacher that has really inspired you, moved you, uh, because of what this new practice has done in their in their lives. Uh, actually, I'll I'll, this, well, I'll reference a leader because really it's, it starts with the leadership. And so uh, Greg Louie, the principal at Santa Teresa, embodies what I try to to um, expound on that and that you don't ask people to do something you haven't done or not willing to do. He's been to more trainings than any other administrator. Uh, I think he can help lead those trainings now. And I think what happens is that he's built that trust with his staff that they're willing now to not only step out of their comfort zone, uh, but they see that he's just not interested in the status quo. Um, and I think what that also has done for him is he realizes that uh, social media has created an environment where sometimes we don't speak too well with each other, let alone listen to each other. And so that's created uh, an environment uh, where kids can be kind of vicious in terms of the remarks that they make, whether um, it's uh, the use of profanity or it's just uh, racial slurs that may take place because people think some slurs are endearing to others. Um, and I think through his practice of mindfulness and through this initiative, he's realized that the whole school needs to take a take a chill pill, if you will, and actually begin to listen to each other better and understand that some of the dialogue that's been going on isn't necessarily academic dialogue. Um, and, and I think that is, you know, it's a microcosm of a larger society, and he's trying to address that through uh, this leadership. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Siobhan, what would be your, your wish for this district uh, in five years? Well, I think they've already made great strides in adopting these practices as a way forward. And I've been really impressed that, not, as I understand it, not only veteran teachers, but also new teachers have been involved. So I really like that idea of introducing 
potential leaders when they're new to the district. So it just becomes part of the culture and part of the accepted way of doing business and dealing with colleagues and students and parents. So I would think that in five years, if it could be fully ingrained as the way we do business in the district, it would go a long way to meeting the vision and goals that have been outlined. Katie, anything to add to that in terms of what would be what would be your hope? I'd like I'd like it to be district wide because yeah. we we definitely have, have have got a great core, but the core needs to expand through the whole all the high school so I'd, I'd love in five years to see everybody doing what Greg's doing at, at mm-hmm. Santa Teresa um, and then I really really would like to be able to take this and make it as a role model for other districts and I think this kind of work that you're doing about checking back and re- the reporting that's being done will all help us be able to do that because I think this can be completely transformational for districts and you guys are proving it so in five years, I'd love for this to be front and center as a test case that could be replicated. And Chris, I'll, I'll end with a question for you just about creating a healthy environment, right? Creating a safe space. I hear that term, educate the, educate the whole child. And really, mm-hmm. our mental health and our spiritual side, whatever you believe, right? Our ability to be in touch with a higher power or even just, you know, ourselves, right? And a quiet and safe space is, is part of what I believe that education is about, educating the whole child is mm-hmm. about. What would be the next step? Have you thought about that yet in terms of is there another practice or is there another step past mindfulness that you would love to see tested and implemented in your district? Well, I, I think the next step is really the ability to measure the impact of uh, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that becomes... Uh, not on the back burner for policymakers, but actually front and center. Uh, because technology and the fast pace of our lives, it doesn't even matter just in education. It's in all sectors. We need to learn to be able to slow down and understand where you're at at that particular time, how you're feeling, how life is impacting you. Um, but that slowing down allows for everyone to get to know each other. I mean, I. I live in a community that we just downsize and we we're, we're just leasing until we move over the hill. And you know who travels by how long it takes them to take their garbage cans back in. Some of these garbage cans are out for three or four days, which means they're f- traveling for three or four days. And so we don't know our neighbors anymore wow. because we're always on the go. And so I, I just want to see a system where we actually... Uh, get to know each other, care about each other, and grow as a community of learners, not just in education, but across all sectors. No, I, but I'm just curious what how Chris would answer the question about where he'd hope to see the district in five years. Yeah. Oh, definitely, I think the district, I hope to see mindfulness be uh, integrated across the entire system, practice at all aspects of the district, uh, that uh, we fully funded 100% by the district, we own it. Um, because that's really what any good uh, nonprofit does. They bring in, they support you to get something started, uh, they help you measure it, um, uh, and then their task is to move on to another organization that needs that support. Uh, and so I agree with Kate. I hope it becomes a model for other districts that uh, it's a best practice out there in education. That's my goal. ALF is passionately committed to building diverse networks of leaders focused on personal and community transformation in order to create an inclusive and thriving Silicon Valley. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast and subscribe to The Dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please visit us online at alfsv.org.